Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello, I'm Sarah. And I'm Toby. And this is the Whispering Woods podcast. This episode is all about werewolves. If you'd like to support the show, you can do so by visiting patreon.com forward slash the Whispering Woods. I forgot what our name was then. I had one of those mind blanks. (laughs) On both tiers, you can listen ad free. And on the demons tier, you get an extra episode a week. Right, werewolves. Yeah. Love it. Love this subject. I really do. So I've done an introduction and then we've got two true stories from UK folklore. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's get on with the introduction. Yeah. Throughout European folklore, the werewolf is a prevalent concept that's taken on many variations. These interpretations share a common thread. A Christian interpretation of European folklore that evolved during the medieval period. As colonialism took hold in the New World during the early modern era, werewolf beliefs also spread. The belief in werewolves and witches developed concurrently during the late Middle Ages and the early modern period. The trial of supposed werewolves emerged in Switzerland, particularly in the Valais and Vaud regions in the early 15th century, eventually spreading throughout Europe in the 16th century. The trials reached their peak in the 17th century before eventually subsiding by the 18th century. The persecution of werewolves and the associated folklore 
is an integral part of the witch hunt phenomena, albeit a marginal one. Accusations of lycanthropy, transformation into a wolf, being involved in only a small fraction of witchcraft trials. During the early period, accusations of lycanthropy were mixed with accusations of wolf riding or wolf charming. The case of Peter Stump, 1589, led to a significant peak in both interest in and persecution of supposed werewolves. Primarily in French-speaking and German-speaking Europe, the phenomenon persisted longest in Bavaria and Austria, with persecution of wolf charmers recorded until well after 1650. The final cases taking place in the early 18th century in Corinthia and Syria. Lycanthropy, a term used to describe a set of beliefs, is not a uniform concept. The transformation, if it occurs, can either be temporary or permanent, and the were-animal can take on various forms. It may be the person who has undergone metamorphosis, or it may be a doppelganger whose actions do not affect the real person. Alternatively, it may be the soul, which leaves the body in a trance-like state and seeks to devour others. In some cases, the were-animal is merely a messenger for the human, either a real animal or a familiar spirit, whose connection to its owner is so strong that any harm inflicted upon it is believed to be mirrored in the human through a phenomena known as repercussion. According to European folklore, werewolves were said to exhibit certain physical features, even in their human form such as eyebrows meeting at the bridge of the nose, curved fingernails, low-set ears, and a distinctive gait. To identify a suspected werewolf, some resorted to cutting the flesh of the accused, believing that fur would be revealed within the wound. One Russian superstition even claimed that bristles under the tongue were a telltale sign of lycanthropy. In animal form, Werewolves were often depicted as being nearly identical to wolves, except for their lack of tail, which was associated with witches in animal form, larger size and human-like eyes and voice. In some Swedish accounts, a werewolf could be distinguished by its three-legged gait, with the fourth leg extended backward to resemble a tail. After transforming back into human form, Werewolves were said to suffer from weakness, debilitation and painful nervous depression. One particularly reviled habit of werewolves in medieval Europe was their tendency to consume recently buried corpses, a trait that was extensively documented in the 19th century Annals Medico-Psychologiques. According to reports, there are various ways one can become a werewolf. One of the simplest methods involves wearing a belt made of wolf skin after removing all clothing, which is believed to be a substitute for wearing an entire animal skin. Other methods include rubbing the body with a magic salve and drinking rainwater from the footprint of the animal one wishes to transform into, or from enchanted streams. In Sweden, the Livonian werewolves were initiated by drinking a specially prepared beer and reciting a spell, while in Russia an incantation still remains popular. 
In Italy, France and Germany, it was believed that sleeping outside on a summer night with the full moon shining on one's face on a specific Wednesday or Friday could trigger the transformation. On occasion, the metamorphosis was believed to be achieved through a pact with the devil, serving the most repulsive objectives, frequently in order to satisfy an insatiable desire for consuming human flesh. Across the globe, male and female magicians are attributed with supernatural abilities, such as the power of animal metamorphosis, sending out messengers and the ability to confer supernormal powers upon their familiar spirits. Whether they be real or spiritual, the beliefs surrounding witchcraft and lycanthropy are closely intertwined, with the only distinguishable feature being the occasional involuntary nature of lycanthropy. In other cultures, the phenomena of repercussion is said to be manifested through the bush soul of West Africa and the Nagal of Central America. While there is no clear logical distinction between these beliefs and lycanthropy, the intimate association between the human being and their bush soul, or Nagwal, is not considered to be lycanthropy. Some scholars believe that lycanthropy was a punishment from the divine. Literature on werewolves often depicts instances where God or saints have cursed individuals with lycanthropy as a result of their anger. For instance, Lycon was transformed into a wolf by Zeus for killing his own son and feeding his flesh to the gods. In addition, those who were banished by the Roman Catholic Church were rumoured to turn into werewolves. Not only were wicked sorcerers believed to possess the ability to turn others into savage beasts, but Christian saints were also thought to possess this power. According to St Thomas Aquinas, all angels, good and bad, have the power of transmuting our bodies. St Patrick is said to have transformed the Welsh king Veridicus into a wolf and Natalus was believed to have cursed an esteemed Irish family, causing each member to spend seven years as a wolf. In some accounts, divine intervention was even more direct. In Russia, it was believed that the devil could cause men to become werewolves as punishment for their wrongdoing. An unusual case that deviates from the typical association between lycanthropy and the devil is that of Thies, an elderly man of 80 years. This account, which is not well known, took place in Jürgensburg, Livonia, in 1692, when Thies gave his testimony under oath. According to Thies, he and other werewolves were not servants of the devil, but rather warriors who were referred to as the Hounds of God. They descended into the depths of hell to engage in battles against witches and demons. Their mission was to ensure that the devil and his minions were not able to take away the grain from failed crops down to hell. Despite his testimony, Thies was sentenced to ten lashes for his superstitious beliefs. Throughout history, a range of techniques have been employed to rid individuals of their werewolf form. In ancient times, the Greeks and Romans placed their faith in the curative power of exhaustion when it came to combating lycanthropy. 
the afflicted individual would be put through extended periods of strenuous physical activity in the hope that this would rid them of their affliction. This practice originated from the fact that many so-called werewolves would often feel drained and weakened after carrying out their destructive acts. During the medieval era in Europe, there were three prevalent methods for curing lycanthropy, medicinal, surgical and exorcisms. However, these methods often proved fatal for the patients, as suggested by the medical practitioners of that time. A belief of Sicilian origin with Arab roots states that striking a werewolf on the forehead or scalp with a knife can cure it. Similarly, in the same culture, it was believed that piercing nails into the werewolf's hands could also cure it. But less extreme methods were also practised. In Schleswig-Holstein, Germany, addressing a werewolf three times by its Christian name would cure it, while in Denmark, scolding it was believed to do the trick. Conversion to Christianity was also a widely accepted method of curing lycanthropy, and devotion to St. Herbert was considered a cure and a protection against such creatures. In the late 1800s, the Greeks held a belief if werewolf corpses weren't destroyed, they would resurrect as wolves or hyenas and haunt battlefields, preying on the blood of wounded soldiers. Similarly, in rural areas of Germany, Poland and northern France, it was once thought that those who died in mortal sin would return as bloodthirsty werewolves that reverted to human form at dawn. These undead creatures were dispatched by decapitation with the spade and an exorcism performed by the local priest. The head was then tossed into a stream where it was believed that its sins would weigh it down. In some cases, disposing of a werewolf was done in the same manner as a vampire. In Eastern Europe, particularly in Bulgaria, Serbia and Slovenia, the werewolf and vampire were often associated and referred to collectively as Volk Kodlak. Werewolves have been part of folklore and legend for centuries. In the United Kingdom, there are many stories and legends about werewolves. And in this particular episode, we'll delve into British folklore surrounding these creatures. I didn't realise that they had werewolf trials the same as witch trials. Neither. No, it's mad. Yeah. It really is mad, isn't it? Yeah. I don't think, obviously, they weren't to the same extent, um, but, you know, they it was happening. Crazy times. Yes. Crazy. The repercussion's really interesting, isn't it? Yeah, it's like that series dark, is Dark Materials. It is, isn't it? I bet that's where he got it from, the writer, the author. Yeah. I reckon he did. You know, they filmed some of that in my work. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when the young girl was running around, that was all around my work. <laughs> What's your favourite werewolf film? Do you have one? I don't watch werewolf films. Mm, you miss out there, love. I think my favourite has got to be The American Werewolf in London. Classic. Is it? Absolute classic movie that you'll have to watch one day. Right, are you ready for the first story? Yes, I am.
In the early days of this nation's history, savage wolves roamed unbridled across the countryside. They predominantly stuck to the age-old groves and wooded areas that blanketed this corner of the globe. Though it wasn't long before these untamed and bloodthirsty predators braved the neighbouring hamlets and towns in pursuit of sustenance. Local communities, especially shepherds and farmers, faced a huge challenge with the presence of wolves. These ferocious beasts not only preyed on their livestock, but also posed a threat to their own safety as they hunted in packs with insatiable hunger. There were even rumours circulating that certain wild wolves had grown brave enough to unearth freshly buried corpses from the nearby churchyards and indulge in a macabre fest of the departed souls. During this period, His Royal Highness King Edward I issued a decree to eradicate all wolves from his realm, with Yorkshire being identified as a region with a substantial population of untamed wolves dwelling in its woodland. During the Saxon period, the wolves inhabiting the Yorkshire wolds were notorious for their cunning and ferocity. To protect vulnerable travellers from becoming prey to these ravenous beasts, a hostel called Spittle Ho was erected. The wolves were so proficient in their attacks on both shepherds and sheep that whispers began circulating, suggesting that they were not merely ordinary beasts, but rather beings capable of transforming into humans. During this period, the infamous Hull Werewolf, also known as the Beast of Balmston Drain, Old Stinker, made its debut in the public consciousness. Old Stinker has been the stuff of nightmares since ancient times. Tales of this terrifying creature date back to the 12th century, where it was said to be a wolf-like beast that stood upright on its hind legs like a man. This creature was said to be towering and imposing, with a powerful tail that could knock its prey off balance with ease. The creature's almost human face had eyes as bright as flames, yet it was the foul breath that earned it the nickname. The stench was so putrid that even the earliest accounts made note of the smell. Some speculate that Old Stinker may have been scavenging in the graveyards of Hull, like its four-legged ancestors. For centuries, the tales of Old Stinker's repulsive breath and aggressive demeanour had been passed down. It all came to a head during the 18th century, when the creature viciously attacked a stagecoach along the York Road. The coachmen, filled with terror, fired upon the beast before it darted off into the nearby woods. Following the incident, the werewolf was no longer seen, at least for a short while. More than a hundred years had passed since the last tales of the beast had been told, but in 1960, a truck driver claimed that he'd been assaulted by the creature as he was driving on the outskirts of Kingston-upon-Hill. He came across a couple of red lights shining in the distance, and concerned that it could be a stranded driver in need of assistance, he decided to slow down his vehicle and investigate. 
As per the driver's account, the eight-foot being stood on its hind legs and shattered the truck's windshield before disappearing into the darkness. The newspapers circulated the story. Numerous other sightings surfaced. In 2016, the headlines of UK newspapers were ablaze with reports that old Stinker had returned and was said to be wreaking havoc in the port city of Kingston-upon-Hull. Apparently, many had witnessed strange animalistic creatures rampaging through the area, leading some to speculate that the monster had returned. A witness came forward claiming to have caught a glimpse of a mysterious creature described as part human and part canine roaming the banks of Bomston Drain during the Christmas period. Since then, there have been numerous additional accounts of alleged sightings. One woman said it was stood upright one moment. The next it was down on all fours, running like a dog. I was terrified. It bounded along on all fours, then stopped and reared up on its back legs before running down the embankment towards the water. It vaulted 30 feet over to the other side and vanished up the embankment and over a wall into some allotments. According to another witness, they'd spotted a creature that was both huge and hairy, leaping over an eight-foot fence while holding a German shepherd in its mouth. Mike Covell, a local folklorist and author, spent years collecting stories from people who claimed to have encountered the mysterious creature. He documented at least 11 different accounts, all following a similar pattern. This being was said to move in a peculiar way, sometimes like a tall man and other times on all fours. Witnesses reported the creature as being covered in fur with the ability to jump and climb great distances. Some even claimed to have seen it eating roadkill or other animals. The descriptions varied, with some describing it as a dog with a human face, while others claimed it was a human with a dog's face. The stories caught the attention of the newspapers for a brief period, but like all sensational stories, they eventually faded away. 
No. Yeah, we used to, and they used to run wild. There were loads of them. Mm. Yeah, I'm sure there was something in the press a couple of years ago about reintroducing wolves to the countryside. I'd be petrified. I know that, you know, generally they don't hunt humans, do they? But if they get hungry enough, yeah, you might just be their next meal. Yeah. I could imagine them out on, like, Dartmoor and stuff where you get the <laughs> wild cats. Have you heard of the wild cat? Nah. Loads of people see um, what they think is, like, big cats out on Dartmoor and various other moors um, roaming free. And it could, I think it's probably true, to be quite honest with you. Because back in the day, um, I don't know when it was, maybe the 70s, people used to keep wild cats as pets in this country. Um, um, and I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but I do. I think that it then became illegal and loads of people just set them free. So there is a chance that there are just like wild cats up on the moors or they could be paranormal entities like that hellhound. Yes. yes. Are you ready for the second story? Yes, I am. Roger Parsons stumbled upon an intriguing tale that had been hidden away for years. The story, dating back to 1926, recounted the adventures of a youthful archaeologist who lived in Langrick Fen, not far from the aptly named village of Dogdyke who came across a collection of potentially Neolithic remains in a peat bog. What made this discovery particularly intriguing was the fact that the skeleton had a massive wolf-like skull attached to it. The young scientist who discovered the remains brought the skull back to his cottage for a more thorough examination. Despite several hours of studying the bone structure, he was unable to provide any logical scientific explanation for the wolf's head. Consequently, he was forced to concede defeat and concluded that the skull was most likely a hoax, akin to the infamous Piltdown Man. Like the Piltdown Man, which was created by using an orangutan's lower jaw to fabricate the preserved skeleton of an early human species, the Langrig Fen archaeologist believed that the wolf's head was probably a fabrication created by travelling fairground performers to entertain the crowds. After its use had been served, the wolf's head was discarded in the fen when the fairground moved on. Our scientist friend lay restless in bed that night, unable to nod off to sleep. The unmistakable sound of something large scraping at the ground came from outside the house. It piqued his curiosity causing him to rise from the bed and investigate. However, before he could take a step, a sudden rapping on the window startled him. Turning towards the noise, he was shocked to see a dark, shadowy figure staring back at him. As he gazed back in shock, the shadowy image sharpened into the form of a human figure, but with a wolf's head perched atop its shoulders. The man was frozen with fear, unable to move or even blink as the monstrous entity snarled, revealing its thick black lips and emitting a putrid breath that fogged the window. It drew back its powerful arm, poised to shatter the glass. Suddenly, the scientist regained his senses and bolted towards the door. 
frantically escaping into the kitchen. The sound of broken glass and the thumping of heavy paws echoed behind him as he barricaded himself in the pantry, trembling with terror. Throughout the long night, he listened to the ominous clicking of razor-sharp claws and the eerie shuffling of the creature's searching snout. As the first hint of dawn slowly crept under the pantry door, the scientist cautiously unbolted it and stepped outside. The eerie visitor from the previous night was nowhere to be seen, and the man began to wonder if he had simply imagined the whole thing. But upon entering his bedroom, he was confronted with the undeniable evidence of the supernatural encounter. The table where the skull had been resting was overturned, and the window was shattered into countless pieces. Without much thought, he snatched up the skull and made his way to the burial site. As he carefully placed the strange head back into the hole, he couldn't help but feel a sense of relief wash over him. With several layers of peat covering the skull, the werewolf of Dogdyke could finally rest in peace. And from that day forward, the scientist slept soundly, knowing that he had rid the world of a terrifying creature. But he hadn't. Again in 2016, there were reports in the national press that the werewolf had returned. In Skellenthorpe, a woman named Jackie Greenfield stumbled upon a petrifying sight in her garden. Two hairs lay mutilated, and upon closer inspection, she spotted two massive paw prints on her window. The discovery left her feeling in a state of panic and distress. Jackie said, I have never seen a cat, dog or fox anywhere near our property. It's just very strange. We would go out at night and sit on the patio, but since then I've been a bit wary. We look around and think, what is out there? And there were more sightings. While exploring the woodland near Friskney, Adam Bird stumbled upon an enormous footprint in December 2014. But that wasn't the only strange discovery he made. To his surprise, he managed to take a photograph of a mysterious dark entity lurking among the trees. Bird described it as a shadowy presence, silently watching them from afar. According to Roger Parsons from the Lincolnshire Heritage Trust, the possibility of the werewolf legend being true cannot be ruled out. He cited the story of the werewolf of Dogdyke, which was documented in 1926, and continues to send chills down his spine even today. Parsons claimed that the discovery of the creature seemed to have triggered a series of unexplainable events that are rumoured still occur in the region. In October of 2016, a spokesperson for the Lincolnshire Police urged caution during Halloween festivities. The police advised parents to ensure that their children are accompanied by a responsible adult while trick-or-treating. Spooky. Yeah. I love the story from the 20s. I think it's brilliant. Yeah. I know that if I found that skull, I'd take it home as well. <laughs> would you? Mm, probably not. I reckon you I'll just take a photo of it and just chuck it somewhere. Really. What, because you're superstitious? No, I, just, I, I, don't, I just don't really want to keep an animal's bone in my house. <laughs> if I'm completely honest. Okay, fair enough. I'd love to be a werewolf. <laughs> 
Wouldn't you love to shapeshift? Yeah. I really would. But not in a horrible way, because I wouldn't want to hurt anybody. <sighs> but I'd love, I'd love it if I could just like... Mm. <laughs> <laughs> that was me turning. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> but yeah, that was me turning. It's good. No, it's not. <laughs> it's like one of those cringy people on TikTok and that, where they like pretend they're like half wolf or something and they, and they pretend to change and that is just very weird oh I haven't seen any of those oh could I just say that one of our TikToks went viral man is it yeah nearly 70,000 views at the time of oh, recording that's good isn't it <laughs> I was showing off to all the young people <laughs> it's good isn't it yeah yeah I'm got, I've got some more lined up for this week as well <laughs> <laughs> I love it I'm like getting addicted to TikTok and finding all these like short scary stories <laughs> um, I'm not very good at it but you've got to try haven't you <laughs> yeah well that brings us to the end of this episode I hope you enjoyed it and please let us know what you'd like to hear yeah and we'll be back again next Thursday Friday with uh, another extra as I've got another werewolf tale that I want to tell everyone um, so maybe we'll catch you then if not goodbye take care everyone 